Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 18 and go through verse 22. You can find it on page 1205 in your pew Bible there in front of you. I encourage you to open it up and to read along with me. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 3 beginning in verse 18. There it's written. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight Persons were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, Will, before I get started, do you mind turning me down just a little bit? I appreciate it. So we're traveling through 1 Peter, and what he does not have for us today is a Mother's Day sermon. I'm sorry. Moms, it's, we're not getting the joys of motherhood today, but what he does give us is a, is a clear and, and concise uh, picture of the gospel, which, as moms, you'll appreciate, everyone in your family will now hear the gospel today, and we pray that the Lord will impact their hearts and those who have not yet heard and responded and had their hearts softened to the gospel, that they will hear it clearly today, and we can thank Peter for these words. But Peter here, he's been writing this letter, and and from the beginning of his letter, he has made it clear that the circumstances we presently find ourselves in, that is, as elect exiles and sojourners of the dispersia, is not only less than ideal, it's actually a life that is filled and will continue to be filled with difficulties, with evil, with trials, with suffering intensely. And so throughout this letter, Peter, while instructing us how to hold it together, how to live a life that's holy and set apart, pulls another thread throughout his entire letter to weave it all together. This thread that Peter holds on to that as we are in exile, because we're not citizens of earth anymore, we are citizens of heaven, that we are sojourners because we are not currently with our Father who's in heaven. And so we're sojourning through this fallen world until the day we come face to face with him. He pulls this thread of encouragement. Peter's goal in this letter is to encourage us, to encourage us as exiles and sojourners, 
not just back then, but here, now, in this fallen world, in 2023. See, right before he writes this section, there's three times that Peter told us that we are subject to or that we are to submit to some ungodly or unrighteous ruler, authority, or power that is over us. And now, he knows what he just asked us to do. He knows he asked us to submit ourselves to be subject to these ungodly, these unrighteous rulers and authorities and powers over us. And so now he pulls the thread of not only saying it's our Christian duty, it's not something we should do, but it's something we must do, and he pulls this thread of encouragement along with it. He's encouraging us in the suffering that comes with submitting ourselves to ungodly and unrighteous authorities and powers. For you see, Peter understands something vital for us. And that is that as Christians, we need encouragement. We need encouragement because the suffering and the trials and the difficulties we face can bring us such discouragement, can cause us to want to shut down and say, no, it's not really worth all the trouble it's made itself out to be. Or better yet, we can easily be distracted or fall into deceitful, sinful thinking that there's a solution that's easier and will alleviate my pain and suffering right now. But Paul writes in Romans 15, 4, he says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope through the encouragement of scriptures. And just before we got to this, last week, Peter writes, you've got to be ready to give an answer, a defense for the reason that the hope you have. He says, the world's watching you. As Christians, the world's watching you suffer. The world's watching you be set apart and be different. The world's watching you not take advantage of its rules. It's, the world's watching you not be greedy. The world's watching you not be power hungry. The world's watching you in your humility and your submissiveness. The world's watching you say, I don't have the power to save myself. And in the midst of your suffering and difficulties, the world wants to know why. Why do you have hope? If you can't save yourself, what hope do you have? And Peter says you have to be ready to answer that. And so Peter pulls that thread. He pulls that thread of encouragement. And he says it's that encouragement gives us hope. It reminds us of our hope, the encouragement does. It, it, it infuses us with a courage to persevere and to endure the hard times that we face in this life. Encouragement, encouragement from scriptures, encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ, Make it easier to live in this fallen world in a holy way. 
The author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 3, verse 13, but encourage one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonians in chapter 5, verse 11. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And that's exactly what we find Peter doing in his letter. Encouraging us to build us up. Encouraging us so that we will be focused on our hope. Encouraging us so that we can endure this life God has called us to that we can persevere with faithfulness in the difficulties, encouraging us to keep us focused on Jesus. For here, Peter writes, he writes what our defense is for our hope. He, he says, for, for Christ also suffered. And then just a bit later, he writes that Christ was put to death in the flesh. And immediately he follows it and says that Jesus was made alive in the spirit. And then by the time we reach the end in verse 22, he concludes and claims that the very same Jesus who suffered and the very same Jesus who was put to death and the very same Jesus who was made alive in the spirit has now gone into heaven with the angels and the authorities and the power having been subjected to him. Peter is conveying to us the reason for our hope is that Christ stands victorious. Christ has won the victory. Death has not won. Sin does not have the final word. And Satan and powers and principalities of this earth and of the spirits around us do not have the final say nor the final power over us. But Christ is the one who is in victory. See, it opens. If, if we're paying attention here in, in, in the gospel, he gives us the fullness, right? It, it, it opens with the, the willful submission of Jesus to unrighteous rulers. We go back to the passion. We go back to the night he was betrayed. Jesus willfully hands himself over. He doesn't let Peter fight the Roman guards to protect him. He willfully gives himself over. He willfully goes before the Sanhedrin. He willfully goes before the high priest. He willfully goes before the governor and the rulers and King Herod, and he submits to all of their authority. But by the time Peter closes, by the time G the passion of Jesus is over, a complete reversal has taken place. No longer is the submissive Son submitting to rulers and authorities and powers, but he has been vindicated and he is enthroned at the right hand of God and all of them are subjected to him. He stands in the victory. 
Now, while we celebrate Jesus' victory and that Peter is pointing to this is the reason for our hope, He's cluing us in as elect exiles and and sojourners to something deeper than just Jesus' victory. If we do a little detective work and and, and pay pay attention to the words that are being written to us, being said to us by Peter, he writes in chapter 2, verse 13, he begins, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. In verse 18, he says, servants, be subject to your masters. And in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. And really, the past four weeks, as we've gone through these sections of the letter, we've focused on Peter's call for us as Christians in this fallen world and dealing with those who have authority over us is a call to submit, a call into submission. And it's difficult work that Peter's called us to. Really hard work that, that goes against everything our heart desires. Yet when Peter finishes, the tables have turned. The tables have turned because he writes, all angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to Christ. Jesus is victorious, and he's vindicated, and the tables have turned. How is it that we can suffer? How is it that we can submit ourselves to an ungodly and unrighteous government and rulers and masters and employers and spouses around us? How can we do that and suffer still? Because we know how the story ends. It's that Jesus is the one we are ultimately submitted to. See, as we live in this world and and we sojourn in this life, it can be quite easy to allow the dense fog of suffering and pain to cloud our living. Sometimes it's, it's storms so great and so powerful around us, we forget that it is the sun still shining on the other side of the clouds that are raining down on us. And yet Peter calls us still to a joy, to a hope that is certain Christ is king. This is the hope we have. This is the defense we give in the midst of our suffering and the great trials that we face in life. Our friend Joy knew that. Our friend Joy's life is a testament to a person who lived and traveled through great and immense suffering, yet remained hopeful and joyful because her Savior is enthroned at the right hand of God. You see, the disciples 
of Jesus before us, long before us. They struggled with holding on to this hope, and they struggled with discouragement too. For They were there the day Jesus took his last breath on the cross. They watched him suffer and die on that gruesome day, and the sky turned black. And they thought all was lost. This man we put our hope in is now gone. He's dead. He's not who we thought he was. And the discouragement sets in. You can read it in the text. How discouraged they are as they head back to their house. And how silent it is the next day on that Saturday. It's so silent, the scriptures are silent about that day. And it wouldn't be until that Sunday morning. As they go to check on Jesus in his tomb and prepare his body the right way, that they see the tomb is empty. But still not confident that Jesus is in victory. In fact, actually they're concerned someone has stolen Jesus or done something to his body or done something disgraceful to their friend. But they hear from the angels. They hear from Jesus that he is alive. That death has been defeated, that sin is no more. The disciples, upon hearing this, rush to the tomb to verify this for themselves. How can this be our Lord and Savior, the one who came down and promised so much? I saw him hang on the cross and die and take his last breath. And you're telling me he's alive? That the tomb is empty? What hope that gives in such a sinful and evil world? So yes, life is difficult. But Peter here who lived through that discouraging Friday and Saturday is here to remind us of the encouragement of the empty tomb. Not just of the empty tomb, but of the ascension of Jesus to the right hand of the Father, where all are subject to him. And in the end... We hold on to that victory. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, we too will be victorious because Christ is victorious. Our sufferings and trials, while difficult, we will make it through. Up until this day, every one of you here has survived 100% of the worst days of your life. Because of Christ, you will make it through. Jesus himself says in John 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have trouble. We've heard that before. We've heard him say that, but I don't think we were really prepared when we first heard it, exactly how much trouble comes in this life. 
Nothing has prepared us for the sufferings we have endured and are enduring today. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. And Peter reminds us of this. That the faithful will get through the waters of life just as the eight who survived God's judgment back then in the flood, so too will everyone who's in Christ be standing on the last day and will be standing next to our King who is standing victorious. Amen? Amen. If you would please stand and sing more about Jesus would I know.